If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 215 of the Leading Learning Podcast, in which we're going to talk about three factors that limit sales of education. And we're doing this episode based on the fact that we have worked in the market for adult education for, well, more than two decades at this point. And during that time, we've advised hundreds of education businesses. We've researched and written extensively on what it takes to succeed in the education business. And we've launched a range of educational products ourselves with, we'll say, varying degrees of success. And so reflecting on all of that experience, we can see that there are, of course, many factors that impact how successful an organization or an individual edupreneur will be. But three factors stand out as most common across learning businesses that never quite seem to be able to realize their potential. And so that's what we want to focus on in this episode. And in terms of a reflection question for this episode, just keep in mind that we're going to raise three points. And after we're done, we want you to reflect on those three points. And so at the end, we'll be sure to list all of those out. But for now, we'll go ahead and jump into the first factor, which we're going to characterize as you have a market, but not an audience. Right. Because we always hear from organizations that they're looking to you know, assess their market for education, um, trying to tap that market for education. But it's really important to realize that having a market is not the same thing as having an audience. Your your market really is the broad group of people who you can reasonably expect to be interested in what you have to offer. And, you know, they may be people who work in a particular field or industry or who fit a certain set of demographic characteristics. And, you know, they're the kind of people that businesses will often spend a lot of time developing personas to describe. So that's market. An audience, on the other hand, is the subset of these people who actually know and care about what you have to offer. And these are the people with whom you've built a connection. So these are the people you can usually count on to buy whenever you create a new offering that's appropriate for them. And and perhaps even more importantly, these are the people who will help spread the word and attract others to you. They help you realize the potential of your market. And, you know, as you might suspect, building an audience is about building relationships, which means that it does, of course, require a certain amount of time and effort. You can't just say, hey, we've got an audience we're going to sell to. I mean, you've always got that. The market's always there. The, the market exists, uh, assuming you've, you know, you've, you've got something valuable to sell. There's going to be a group of people out there. Um, but, but building that audience up, really connecting with those people, that takes time to build up those relationships. And you know, that doesn't mean that you have to have a, a one-on-one conversation with every one of your prospective customers. Of course, you're not going to be able to, to do that usually. But it does mean that you need to consistently show up in ways that are useful and not just salesy and and really be available to engage. And of course, you know, you can do this through things like blogging, um, through speaking, through creating videos, interacting on social media or, you know, any any number of, of other ways. 
Now, this doesn't mean that you're not going to end up with some purely transactional sales. That is, you're going to sell some to people who buy something from you before you've established a strong relationship with them. Um, And that's going to happen particularly if you have a strong brand. And we're going to talk more about brand in just a minute. But very often, these people are persuaded by proxy relationships. So that could be referrals or testimonials from your established audience that will pull them in. And you want those types of sales, um, even if they are transactional, at least initially, because they're essential to driving significant growth. But the key is that you have to then build your relationship with those customers if you expect them to stay around. You have to convert them from being part of your market to being part of your audience. And I think it's important to note here because, you know, we do have many listeners who uh, represent um, trade and professional associations or other types of membership organizations. And um, it's important to emphasize that having a membership does not automatically mean that you have an audience. And I think probably most listeners recognize the fact that um, very often you have you know, quite a few checkbook members of organizations. So they're writing that check annually. They're sort of, they're doing it because it's the thing to do if you're in that field or profession, but they may not really be tuned in. But even beyond that, you know, people have different expectations, a different perspective on what it means to be a member and the value they get out of membership. They may not be looking at or even thinking about the fact that you've got an education, training, learning business within that overall membership structure. So they may not be identifying as sort of the the audience for your education business, uh, even if they are identifying as the audience for your membership. I mean, so the the takeaway here is that uh, it takes time and effort to build an audience, but that's precisely why it's so valuable. Because once you have that solid audience, it's very hard for anyone else to take your place with that group of people, and so that that audience becomes this invaluable asset for the long-term success of your learning business. And this would be a great time to mention that if you're looking for a platform that can help you build and manage your audience, you'll want to check out our sponsor for this quarter. Community Brands provides a suite of cloud-based software for organizations to engage and grow relationships with the individuals they serve, including association management software, learning management software, job board software, and event management software. Community Brands' award-winning crowd wisdom learning platform is among the world's best LMSs for corporate extended enterprise and is a leading LMS for association-driven professional education programs. Award-winning Freestone, Community Brands' live event learning platform, is a leading platform for live learning event capture, webinars, webcasts, and on-demand streaming. Find out more at leadinglearning.com slash communitybrands. And of course, putting a technology platform in place doesn't guarantee that you're going to have an audience, but it sure makes it a heck of a lot easier to connect with and manage that audience. So definitely do check out Community Brands. But now let's move on to the second factor that tends to limit sales. And we sum this one up as you don't have a brand. So along with building an audience, learning businesses that expect to succeed over the long haul, need to build a brand. And there are a number of reasons for this. First, while your easiest and often best sales are going to come from people who are part of your audience, it's much harder to grow if you have to rely on your established audience for all of your sales. So as we mentioned just a few minutes ago, the stronger your brand, the less of a relationship you'll need 
to be able to convert new prospects. Your brand becomes a proxy for that relationship and the value that you offer. And of course, as noted above, you know, you have to fulfill that brand promise if you expect those prospects then to stick around as customers. Definitely. You know, and then, and then next, your brand really is one of your most powerful competitive assets. So your prospects will inevitably have options when it comes to pursuing education and the topics you cover. That's more and more the case that there are, you know, plenty of different things they could be doing out there. And ideally, you don't want them to be thinking, I need to get some education on topic X. You want them to be thinking, I need what brand X has to offer, where brand X is, of course, your brand. And that's much more likely to bring them straight to your website or to get uh, uh, them to type your brand into a, a search engine, um, which, you know, by the way, is something Google values more and more in its search rankings. It likes to see that uh, people are actually typing in your name that, or the name of your particular product um, that, that you're selling. That's more and more important in, in actually popping up at the top of those uh, search engine results. And of course, I think it's worth noting that brand helps to support your price, um, making it much more likely that you're going to get conversions at whatever price you charge. This is something that we have talked about before um, in terms of the value ramp, um, that a strong brand increases value perception, and it makes your value curve steeper. And what that means is that you're able to charge more sooner, and then as a result, you're able to grow faster and grow bigger. But of course, do keep in mind that... uh um, you know, a, a brand is not just about having a clever name and an attractive logo. Um, those can certainly be good things to go along with your overall brand. But a brand is really the sum total of all your interactions with your prospects and customers, which is one reason the next factor is so critical. And this is that, well, this may be one of the, I think, one of the biggest long-term limiters to sales because um, it's gonna it's gonna keep people from coming back. It's gonna keep you from really tapping your your current audience, keeping them there, and then adding to it. And that's that you sell information and not impact. And so, as part of our work with clients, we do a lot of surveying of their markets and their audiences. Um, basically, the the lifelong learners that they aim to serve. And a question that we typically ask is about the value factors that these people consider when making choices about whether to purchase an educational product. And I'll say that we we haven't been very surprised that the reputation of the the teacher or the you know expert leader is almost always the most important value factor. And that also gets back to brand. In that case, it's the the teacher's brand. But it's been a little bit surprising um, that survey respondents have consistently ranked um, this item as, as number two or three. And that is that the product has shown demonstrable improvement in knowledge or performance for those who take part. Yeah, so in other words, learners are actually looking for results. They're, they're conscious of this as something that they're looking for when they're making decisions about uh, education, especially if they're going to pay money. And of course, employers who are often the ones who foot the bill for education and training, they also want results. So, you know, keep that in mind if you're, you know, if you're selling educational experiences that relate directly to people's jobs and careers, as of course, so many learning businesses do. Now, you know, a a sad fact is that a lot of what gets positioned as education, whether that's online education or offline education, isn't really education at all. It's it's just information. 
And so there's the uh, old saying, or I should say that the now old saying, you know, information wants to be free. And these days, the people consuming information expect it to be free, mostly because they know that they can almost always find that information somewhere for free. And this is the main reason, you know, that we've mentioned before the idea that, uh, for example, if you want to sell uh, webinars, as so many organizations want to do, you have to stop calling them webinars. Um, This kind of goes back to the branding question uh, as well again, but people expect webinars generally to be informational, um, and they expect them to, to be free. Um, so, you know, if, if what you're offering is really just information, that's fine. And, and, and certainly with webinars, there can be a place for that, but don't expect to be able to charge for it. And that goes triple if you don't have an audience or a brand. Now, of course, there are going to be exceptions. If you have truly original information, information that can't be found anywhere else, you know, maybe it's information based on unique research that you've done, or maybe uh, it's based on special access to sources that only you have, then yes, you may be able to charge for that information. You may even be able to charge a lot for that information, but those exceptions prove the rule. Most courses don't really offer truly original information as much as their creators may like to think that they do. That's right. I mean, what's original usually is who is delivering the information, um, how it's packaged and packaged and, and structured, and then most importantly, how well the learner will be able to retain and make use of the information. And you know, that last part requires design. It requires an understanding of how adults learn. It requires skill at guiding and facilitating learning in a way that the experience will result in a positive impact for the learner. And by the way, being able to demonstrate that impact, uh, that impact has been achieved, you know, whether that's through data or through testimonials, is really one of the most effective ways to bolster your marketing and your brand. So you want to honestly evaluate your offerings. You want to ask, is this really education or is it just information? And a a strong clue that it might be just information is that regardless of what they may say in their evaluations, your learners aren't consistently coming back for more. That seems to suggest that it's probably just information. And of course, that's a that's a big uh, sales killer. That will certainly limit your sales if you're not getting people to come back uh, again and again. So, you know, we've highlighted these three uh, limiters. Uh, to sales. And and really, you can kind of work backwards from what we've suggested to to really solving that that problem of of how to increase sales. So in most cases, the the last of these factors that we talked about, uh, impact, um, that's the one that can be addressed most rapidly. And it's also the foundation on which the others can then be built over time. So whether you're creating your first or your 50th educational offering, there are almost certainly steps that you can take right now to improve their instructional effectiveness and increase impact. You can, for example, be more thoughtful and intentional in your approach to design. Uh, Make sure that you're adhering to the principles of adult learning. You can pilot new offerings to gain feedback from and, and build connection with your audience. And these are approaches that when they're done right, they they practically ensure that you will better understand the people you seek to serve and how you can provide the most value to them. And you then can start um, sharing significant parts of that value freely to attract your audience to you and start building relationships. And then over time, 
the value you create and the relationships you develop will build and strengthen your brand. And this is the essence of the best, most effective content marketing. And it's also the essence of long-term success for any business that exists to create value through learning. So that's that's our rundown of uh, some of those key factors uh, we've seen that limit sales. It usually does not have to do with, you know, having the, the latest bells and, and, and whistles um, or having a huge catalog or anything else. It really comes down to these fundamental areas that we've covered. And you can you know go back through these in the, in the show notes and we'll highlight them now because we do want you to, to reflect on each one of these areas and you'll be able to get uh, you know these questions um, and, and the show notes uh, for the episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode. 215. But here's what we covered, you know, for you to reflect on. First of all, you know, to what extent do you have uh, a market, but maybe not an audience? Maybe you haven't really developed that audience. So how do you develop it? How do you solidify that audience? That's one. Two, how strong is our brand and what might we do to strengthen it? So think about that relative to your learning business. Have some discussion about that if you've got others that you're working with. And then three, to what extent are we selling information rather than impact? And how might we shift more towards actually selling impact rather than information? When you check out the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 215, you're going to see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe as it helps us to get some data on the impact of what we're doing. And we would always always say we're always grateful if you would take just a minute to give us a rating on Apple Podcast. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple. That'll put you in the right place. Salisa and I personally appreciate your rating and review and those reviews and ratings help the podcast to show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. We'd also be grateful if you'd check out our sponsor for this quarter. Visit Community Brands by going to leadinglearning.com slash community brands. Finally, consider following us and sharing the good word about leading learning. We'd love if you would follow us at Twitter by going to leadinglearning.com slash Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at leadinglearning.com slash Facebook and on LinkedIn at leadinglearning.com slash LinkedIn. And we also encourage you to use the hashtag leading learning on each of those channels. However you do it, please follow us and please help spread the word about leading learning. Thanks again and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.